Hey everyone, Mr. Toast here. Just want to let you know you can watch the podcast and interact with other viewers live on twitch.tv slash convictedtoast. Enjoy the podcast. Brandy, you're a fine. What a good wife you would be. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so this week, guys, uh, in honor of Thanksgiving, we were trying to figure out uh, what we should cover in spirit of the holiday and uh, what better way than diving into something we will probably rarely talk about, the MCU, with the Guardians of the Galaxy. We watched 1, 2, 3, and the holiday special. Watched them on about a week or so. And uh, these, uh, for me anyway, were all rewatches, uh, but it's been a while. And um, for Mr. Toast here, uh, the first time um, for what, three in the Christmas special. Yeah, first time seeing three in the Christmas special. And then I had seen two not too long ago, maybe about three or four months before rewatching it again for the podcast. And then one, it has been years. <laughs> it has been a while for me for the first two as well. And um, we're going to get into these. I hope uh, we're going to say this a couple times probably at the end, but I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving, especially if you're listening to this on Thanksgiving or if you don't uh, celebrate uh, Thanksgiving, uh, have some turkey. Good for you. <laughs> Unless it goes against your religion, then do yeah, whatever you feel. Have. Drink some water, yeah. maybe. I don't know. I just grab some grass off like the fucking like side of the road. Just start eating it. Yeah. <laughs> some grass. Unless you live in a country or a state that doesn't have grass, then eat sand, I guess. I don't... Yeah, substitute sand. Yeah. Sand would work. Maybe rocks. Uh, whatever you have. So, um, I guess um, uh, we start with Guardians 1. I guess yeah. that's where we, where we begin. Uh, I kind of want to give just a little bit of background on this movie um, and the characters. This was a huge risk for Marvel in 2014. Uh, now they've kind of just like pulled everybody out of the fucking woodwork that they could find. I'm just waiting for the Jack of Hearts series at this point when they get to like the D tier characters because we're on C tier right now, baby. <laughs> uh, Guardians was a B C tier uh, team in Marvel Comics, and they were just getting off the ground with some more well known heroes uh, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and uh, James Gunn's like, I let me do Guardian movie. And Kevin Feige was like, okay. Um, which is really interesting because when you think about it, this is the only movie that doesn't in some way tie into uh like what they were building on Earth. Yeah. Like at this point. Uh Thanos is in it, which we are building a little bit towards uh towards Thanos before this. But this was like their first venture into the cosmos. And before the drama happened with James Gunn, he was originally supposed to be in charge of all cosmic films that came out of the MCU. That was his job because Kevin Feige decided, hey, we got a lot of different people and they're all in different locations. Let's do this. And he uh, he had like a dude for uh, like ground level heroes, like the Daredevil stuff. Yeah. And then a dude for this. And then James Gunn was supposed to be the dude for cosmic stuff. But that kind of fell through. This movie, I don't think anyone, honestly, uh, if you told uh, somebody in 2014 that you thought Guardians of the Galaxy, before any of the trailers, was going to be a good movie, uh, you're lying, because nobody said that. A lot of people were very skeptical, and then the first trailer came. 
and Coraline. Huh. Okay. What's up? What? Oh, no, sorry. I meant I was doing like people's like how they kind of responded. Oh, to the, dude, you might cut out for a sec. I was like, "What's he saying?" Thought <laughs> you asking me a question. No, they were like, "Uh huh." They they were more intrigued at that point, and then the movie came out, and it was a huge success for Marvel, and the, both of the sequels were as well. Yeah, um, I think a a large testament of that is James Gunn being at the helm of it, of course. Um. And then on top of that, I think the way that James Gunn used the soundtracks to his advantage to tie them into the character uh, of Star-Lord, especially, and how that also kind of crosses through and bleeds through in the sequels to the other characters, especially Rocket. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get to uh, quite a bit about Rocket in the third one, for those of you that haven't seen it. And uh, speaking of uh, those of you who haven't seen it, uh, we are going to be talking spoilers here uh, for all three of the movies and the Kevin Bacon special. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't seen them yet, go check them out. They're worth your time. Even if you're not really into the Marvel stuff, I think these can kind of stand apart as their own thing. James Gunn's pretty good at what he does. Yeah. And uh, you'll find that they resemble film more than amusement park ride, as a lot of people have been talking about the mcu now yeah um i I, the thing about these movies though is that they this was before it started to kind of feel more strained like uh we weren't as oversaturated as we are now as mike was telling me the other day in phase four alone it's what you said 3500 minutes like of of content more than phases one to three combined yeah, which is insane. And it's most of the TV shows, which um, have mostly mixed reviews, except for Ms. Marvel. Uh, Ms. Marvel has gen- uh, generally pretty positive, and Loki does as well. Yeah. Those are the big two that I see have had the most success. Um, but beyond that, these films, this is before it started to feel like the same roller coaster ride over and over again, in, in my opinion. And uh, they felt more like an actual movie rather than just being like a straight up, uh, like adrenaline ride. Yeah, I I agree. And all three of these movies have a lot of heart to them, especially Mm -hmm. I feel like the first and third one uh, has a lot of things going on. I mean, there are some really sad parts in the second one, obviously the, the ending, uh, but I feel like the first and the third one have the most like, weight yeah uh i'd agree um i think two does tell an important story for some of the characters but it doesn't carry the same emotional weight across all the characters yeah um stories for two (laughs) yeah there's uh there's a lot of there's like three or four plot lines going on yeah, it gets it gets a little jumbled up. Yeah. So I um, I guess we should just let you get into it. Right into, yeah, let's jump into one. Uh, if yeah, I I don't know if you want to just kind of talk about the movie as a whole, and then we could talk about scenes of it we like. Yeah. Um. So as an introduction to the Guardians, um, I mean we have our our the the okay. I do want to talk about this for a sec. Okay. I love the way that this movie starts before it rolls out the Marvel like title screen oh yeah 
because you know whenever you see a marvel movie you go in and you start out and it's just okay we're straight into it we're you know here's the marvel logo we're into the movie i love that this starts in um it starts on earth in missouri i can't remember what year it is it's 80 something 88 maybe i can't remember it might have been um and we it's just uh, we have peter quill sitting in the hospital uh he's like eight or nine years old something like that probably older um and he's just sitting there listening to his walkman and going into this moment where his grandfather comes out and he's like she wants to see you and he walks into uh into the hospital room just to see his mother laying in the bed um dying of cancer what a hard way to start that film. Like you, you go off of like the trailers or what you know about like guardians of the galaxy movies. If you haven't actually seen them, you're like, Oh, these are like funny, fun, like fun movies. And then it doesn't start out that way. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy. And I love, I agree with you completely. I love some of the MCU movies that kind of give it a second or they do interesting things with the logo. Uh, some of my favorites, I'm going to uh real quick, Infinity War, instead of playing the music, the intro is quiet at first, and then you hear Thor's ship, like, transmitting, this is the Asgardian 7, we are not a Warcraft, I repeat, we are not a Warcraft, and then you see it, like, coming in, really cool, I like yeah. Black Panther's opener a lot, Um, when you have the kids playing basketball, and then father's killed by uh, Chaka. And the kids like kind of looking up at the sky. You see the thing fly away, and see you logo plays. So I I love some of those, and I think uh, three has a really interesting uh, intro that we can talk about as well. Yeah. So with the first one, yeah, that that opener's great, and then we get the iconic dance scene. Yep. With, with um, come and get your love by Redbone. Absolute phenomenal way to introduce Star Lord as a character. Uh, especially because he's just, you know, he's on he's on a job, but he's also like taking his time, having having fun, using a using a alien rat thing as a microphone, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's such a fun way to start the movie, and that song for years after the movie released has been in everybody's heads. Yeah, the the whole soundtrack, like yeah. lots, like uh, hooked on a feeling was not a big song. I mean, yeah. it was, but it wasn't. Nearly. It wasn't to the popularity it is today. Like the fact that there are people in three or four different generations now that say, "Oh, I know that song," and it it's because of that movie. Reservoir Dogs had that song, and I think they only paid like a couple grand for the rights, if I remember correctly, yeah. to use it because it wasn't a huge song, right? And we get the uh, title credits, which we get for all. I think all of the title credits are pretty good. Um, the second one's my least favorite, but I think all of like the intros and the credits, a lot of people kind of sometimes they complain about like having the title credits and things like that. They just want to skip over that. But I think in all four of the, uh, I would say film, all four of the films, they, uh, they're pretty good and they're used really well. Yeah, I think especially for one and three in particular, the opening song that they choose to use and the way that they choose to shoot the scene involving it really set the tone for the films. Um, 
and two we we actually talked about it with two we'll get into it later but two we both were just like this is my least favorite for the openers yeah um but we'll get into that of course yeah and um oh i just had a thought and it just completely lost me i was going to say something about the um the tone oh yeah how confusing would this be like if you knew nothing about it you see that scene and then the kid's grown up because he's got the same walkman and he's yeah. dancing and singing you'd be like what the fuck? What happened? <laughs> James Gunn is pretty good. They have a problem a lot of the time, I will say, in the MCU with handling tone. And yeah. Adding too much comedy, especially post this movie. This is the only bad thing I'll say the movie did. Is it made it feel like everybody in the MCU had to be a fucking comedian and deliver like one-liners all the time. Even yeah. though it's not their character. This was kind of the introduction to that, I'd say. Yeah. Um, especially... Like Tony Darky, but not to this level. Yeah, and on top of that, I feel like it started out here because Guardians did so much better than they anticipated. So, like, they kind of started borrowing more uh, elements from it and everything. But it's a, it's especially in this movie, it is especially heavy with, um, with Star Lord and Drax. I think those two are the most like they throw out the most jokes. I'd say, and it's a decent, it's a decent dynamic, especially because Drax is like the character that he takes everything too literally. Um, yeah. And I think that that kind of comedy works, but I think um, it goes overboard in two. Like it's still funny, but it's a bit too overdone. Yeah, and they do it with a lot of other characters later on in the MCU too. After this, they started like doing a bunch of that shit where they have a character that like taking everything literally instead of metaphorically um so we get that awesome star lord opening scene and then shortly after that we get introduced to yondu which is a scene i really like because i fucking adore michael rooker yeah he is one of the at, at the same time one of the most like i don't know how i want to say this but one of the actors that's in the most that is like completely underrated yeah i and i think you were talking about on a previous podcast but you said the. Uh... I think Michael Rooker dies in movies more than uh, Sean Bean. Sean Bean, yeah. Yeah, he might. He dies in like er almost everything I've seen him in, he's died. The only thing that I've seen where he lives is Cliffhanger. Spoiler, but he lives in Cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, nobody's going to watch that. <laughs> that one guy like in Belgium was like, fuck, I was going to watch that tonight. <laughs> Damn it. Now I know. But there's a lot of shit adapted from this movie that they kind of used in other things, uh, other MCU projects later down the line, especially with like how a lot of cosmic things work. I love how they do space jumping and where it like the space just kind of like becomes these. Uh, I don't know what you would call it. It's like a portal almost. Yeah, kind of. And then they jump through it. I love yeah. the, the look of those. They are trying to differentiate from Star Wars. Yeah, because it wasn't just oh go light speed and like you watch the stars stretch out and everything. It was like, uh, I think what's really interesting about it is that like you watch like this portal kind of open up and then you see like a completely different like because you could go from seeing something that's like a nebula to just like an open vastness of space and it changes throughout. Yeah, and <laughs> um, speaking of the space travel, I saw this really funny interview with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's like, people were asking, because a lot of times he'll criticize movies. Yeah. Like, for inaccuracies. Like, he criticized the sky in Titanic. 
and uh, Seth MacFarlane called him when he was making Ted, and he was like, quick, I need a night sky for uh, September 4th, 1980. Mm-hmm. And he, like, so Ted in the Make-A-Wish scene has an accurate sky. Oh, my God. <laughs> but That's wild. Somebody asked him about something with the space travel in Guardians of the Galaxy, and Neil deGrasse Tyson just tweeted back, hold on. Uh, you want me to, like, criticize that when there's literally a talking raccoon in the movie? <laughs> He's like, I, if I suspended my disbelief enough for that, I could do it for space travel. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, um, I, I kind of want to talk about the characters a little bit, because these are yeah. all, like, now household names, but, like... When In 2014, out... uh, before this, like, nobody really knew the Guardians, per se. Uh, maybe they'd heard of them in passing by, like, somebody else that was a big comic book nerd, but they never knew who they actually were. That's what I was going to say. We're going to have one guy in the comments like, actually, I read Guardians when it first came out in 2006. I don't know what year Guardians came out. Yeah. Um, so we've got uh, Blue Merle, a.k.a. Yondu. Uh, fucking love Yondu. I, I love every character Michael Rooker plays. He's he's really good. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Gamora, who is the adopted daughter of Thanos and becomes really important. I don't. I didn't remember her being like such a bitch in the first one, but I guess it, it makes, makes sense. sense. Nebula too. Nebula has like I would say Nebula has the craziest character arc across this franchise. That's what I was gonna say like character development, and like going back now and seeing her like that, I feel like I would have hated her in 2014. But now I like I get it now that I know what all she's gone through. Yeah. Um. She, speaking of Nebula, that's another character. Uh, Gamora's sister. Uh, she is a great character. I think Karen Gillan does a great job playing her and. I'm sure Karen Gillan has to sit in the makeup chair for like 14 hours. Yeah. Um, they all probably sit there for half their day and then they go and shoot like two scenes and go home. <laughs> Except for Star-Lord. <laughs> yeah. I guess you gotta do his hair. Yeah. Um, um, I do want to just like, while we're mentioning the characters, like how, how the story in, uh, incorporates the idea of like people that have been loners for so long and like coming together and, um, a big reason as to why we chose this for our, for our Thanksgiving episode is that they become like a surrogate family. They, um, they develop beyond loners to, uh, uneasy, uh, alliances to family. Yeah, it, it's very, this film is very Boogie Nights-esque in the fact of like finding a family in something. James Gunn actually took a lot of inspiration from Boogie Nights, and that's why, like, the awesome mix that's uh, in Boogie Nights, the yeah. uh, crazy guy at the end of the movie, he's got the awesome mix in his player. It's a cool little detail. Um, where were we at? We talked about families. We're still talking about some of the characters, because we... I know, uh, I'm trying to remember, like, who we... Uh, we mentioned uh, Nebula was the last one that we talked about. Gamora. Uh, Yondu. Root is a tree. I, yeah. I, you know what? After watching all of these, I thought we learned like more about his species and things, but you don't. Nope. Like you know, he is the guardian. You know the least about, and I guess that I mean that makes sense. He's kind of like a pet. Yeah. In a way, like especially when he's like growing up, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he. I would say Groot has the least amount of development. And then uh, second place only to Nebula Rocket. He's uh, got the. I think Groot has like the weirdest 
character thing because yes while he just says i am groot over and over again the fact that the characters learn what he's saying first off is interesting uh and then second off i think for some of it he's a bit overused for comedic relief uh in the second yeah. and third one in the first one it's fine i um shit what what did you before that you were saying something about uh god now i can't remember it oh. you're talking about something with groot and i wanted i had something funny i wanted to say like uh I don't know. I'm trying to go back myself, and I'm <laughs> just completely. That's fine. It'll if it if it's important, it'll come back to. All right, um, chat. We need some member berries from South Park. <laughs> yeah, we need some member berries. If anybody remembers what Keegan said, yeah, I missed. I the first part. I had someone respond to. Anyway, um, yeah, Groot. I, I would say. Interesting, like, concept, interesting character, just they didn't do a lot with him. Yeah. In the trilogy, Drax the Destroyer, really interesting backstory. He, um, his wife and daughter were murdered by Ronin under the orders of Thanos, and, uh, he wants to kill them all. Yeah. Oddly, oddly such a comedic character for such a tragic story. Yeah, and it's not even like I don't know. His laugh is contagious. Keegan can testify. Yeah, it's something about. Um, I think Dave Bautista is just having fun, you know, and he, the way that he's delivering the lines and his laugh, you can't help but have fun with him. Yeah, he he uh, he cracked me up like the entire fucking second one, and I I heard Keegan just sitting there in silence. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> every time he like made a noise. I I've, I love his character. Um, so then we have Peter Quill, who we touched on a little bit. Star Lord. Uh, we'll get to him as we go through it because I would say the trilogy at its heart's kind of about him. The third one's a rocket movie. Yeah, but he still like, has elements in there. So yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely relies heavily on Star Lord for the first two, especially the second one. Uh, let me see. Who am I forgetting? Mantis, but that's two. We'll get into Mantis. I think. Yeah. I... Oh, Rocket. Yep. We'll talk more in three about Rocket. Yeah. Um, I think Rocket's probably one of the most important ones to talk about. Truly. <laughs> yeah, especially especially at three. Yeah. Um. So with the first one, we're introduced to these characters. Uh, they're all after this orb that star lord steals uh the MacGuffin, classic MacGuffin. they all want this it turns out there's a power stone one of the six infinity stones can i just say how much this movie like fucking set up that i had no idea like nowhere i forgot how like extensive they went into nowhere i actually yep. let me pull this up i made a list on my letterbox like right after we watched it of all of the things that they set up in this movie that are crucial, like going forward. Yeah. Uh, there it is. Uh, the Guardian's introduction was done. The Collector was done. They teased about Ego. They teased about Cosmo. They teased about Rocket's backstory. The Kree. Thanos' quest for the stones. Yondu and the Ravengers. Howard the Duck. And the introduction of Xandar and Nowhere. Which pretty much every aspect of that has reappeared multiple times. A few of them are just in the Guardians movies, but there are a lot that like outstretch that and go into the 
broader connected MCU, which is just, again, it makes me so sad to see the state they're in now yeah. because what they set up, I mean, it was yeah. real genius. I think, I think they got a bit too cocky after um, Endgame. They kind of like, they were like, we're on top of the world right now. And they didn't, because up to, up to Infinity War, I would say we were at a point where they're just like, we, we still, we're still going, we're still going. Every time that we get another successful movie out, it's something that we can build towards this, this climax. And then after the climax, there was like, how can we do more? And we didn't really get that moment of bring it back down, keep it, keep it grounded. Their expectations have gone too high. I completely agree. I I think they're finally starting to realize that because next year there's only one new Marvel. Yeah. And that's the first time that's happened since I think it was 2009 maybe there's only one. I can't remember. There was one year there was only one that came out. 2008 we had Iron Man 1. Did Thor come out in 2009? Incredible Hulk. Thor was 2010. Iron Man 2 was... Maybe it wasn't. I don't remember. This no, it was... Remember. Thor was 2011. I don't know. There was one year where there was only one. It's There's only one year where there was only one. Yeah. And uh, there's only one coming out next year with Deadpool 3. And there's only a couple series coming back... Uh, coming out. And one of them I wrote off. And then I saw a guy make a video about it. Now I'm probably going to watch it. Which one? Echo. Oh. Oh, that's it, the one with, uh, that's like the Vincent D'Onofrio and... Yeah. Yeah. They got writers from the Netflix team. Hmm. And it's the first Disney Plus TVMA series. Okay. So it's technically the first R-rated content in the MCU because it'll come out before Deadpool. That's true. The, this would be actually under Disney. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't realize it was going to be mature, but yeah, apparently it's like Disney Plus just decided that they're going to put mature content on there, do yeah. what Netflix does with the parental controls. Honestly, I think that's what they should have been doing from the start, but that's just me. Yeah, yeah. it was in some countries, just not here. Yeah. Because they uh, combined Hulu and a lot of... That. We, got up, we got pretty far off track there for a sec. Where were we, we at? Uh... We were talking about all the things that they uh, set up yeah. in the first one, and especially in the second and third one. Well, not in the that we know. Yeah. But there's a lot of setup in the second. Uh, but yeah, the, the Power Stone. Yeah, so they're all after the Power Stone. Uh, we get our first glimpse of Thanos, other than a side profile a little bit. You get to see him a little tiny bit in the first Avengers movie. He's kind of like smirks at the camera, and then every audience member in 2012 is like, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> True. Go home, Google it. Uh, there was a uh, oh the Eternals, the Eternals end credit scenes. They teased um one of the uh, I can't remember what band it was in. One one of the band members of One Direction, Harry Styles. They teased him as this character called Star Fox. They showed him on screen, and he had like a little troll. And I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" And then I looked it up, it was like Star Fox. I'm like, thanks. Star Fox <laughs> from like the N64 video games? No, <laughs> apparently he's Thanos' brother, but he's played by Harry Styles and he's in no makeup. Like he's okay. just hot Harry Styles. All right. And he has a troll with him that is played by Patton Oswalt. <laughs> <laughs> what the I fuck? Can't, 
You need to watch Eternal just for that end credit Okay, alright. <laughs> Dude, it's... Yeah, th- this movie uh, shows Thanos for the first time. He's talking to Ronan the Accuser, uh, who is our villain for this movie. We realized it was Lee Pace halfway through watching it. And uh, if you well, didn't Keegan watch has... the Bodies, Bodies, Bodies episode, he's a character uh, in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And we're just, he's one of the best characters in that movie because he's so, um, what do you call it? Like bravado? Yeah, yeah down to earth. Yeah. Uh, and he's just, <laughs> the entire, after he, after Mike told me who it was, I just couldn't stop myself from going, the hurt gain. <laughs> <laughs> the hurt gain. Yeah, and then you couldn't tell during the whole movie, but at the end, when like the final battles take place, he goes, "What are you doing?" And it sounded just like Lee Pace, yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude. And then he followed up with, "What are you doing?" And it was, um, but we get some Kree stuff here, which is really cool because I'm one of the rare people that likes Captain Marvel, and I like the Kree, so we get to see Ronan in both. I need to see if Lee Pace plays him in Captain Marvel too. <laughs> I'm pretty um, sure we saw that, because uh, he's credited in Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah, you're right, he does. That's dope. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're all after the Infinity Stone. We get to see Thanos. We learn about his quest. This is the first time he has a speaking role, and it's not a, like a fucking end credits, like a little teaser. It is right in your face, like two or three minutes in the movie, like he's there, and yeah. it is Josh Brolin. He's a little bit more... Blue? It's deeper, and he's more purple. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more purple, a little bit, like, I don't know, it's weird. He, the, I get why they changed his look for Infinity War and Endgame, they wanted him to look a little bit more natural. Yeah. Uh, I do also want to mention, during this scene, before um, uh, Ronan goes to see um, Thanos, <laughs> he's talking to this guy on the screen that looks like some Palpatine knockoff shit, and... The leader of the Chitauri. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The leader of the Chitauri. And Mike's like, where did he end up going? Like, he, I don't remember seeing him anywhere else in this. And then in the next scene when he's talking to Thanos, Ronan just blasts this, like, thing at him and just spins his head around. I'm like, there's where he went. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I haven't seen Guardians in so many years. I was like, man, whatever happened to this Chitauri guy? Like, he, he seemed pretty important, like, in this scene. And then, like, Two minutes later, just broken neck. I was like, okay, that's what happened. Oh, yes. Uh, So, uh, Thanos talks a little bit about his daughters, and uh, Ronan decides to hunt them down. The Guardians get caught, like, fighting. They haven't assembled yet. Uh, They're not the Avengers. They take some time. Yeah, it starts out with... um... Star-Lord has the orb, and he's gonna, like... Basically, he's stabbing Yondu in the back, and he's gonna go do this deal without him. Um. And in response, Yondu puts a 40,000 unit uh, bounty on Star-Lord's head, so he goes to make the connection. He's like, yeah, some guy named Ronan wants this or something or other, Uh, and he's like, I'm not taking that. He kicks him out of the shop. (laughs) And then it kicks off with, um, right as he leaves the store, Gamora's leaning up against the building. She's like, what happened? He's like, I backed out of the deal. Uh, And there's something about this scene that I absolutely love where uh, he starts trying to like, uh, like flirt with her and everything, and then she just kicks him and just grabs the sphere and starts running. <laughs> I love, I love that scene, and I love how it like kind of establishes all of the guardians together. Not Drax yet; we get him a little yeah. bit later, but like Rocket, Groot, Gamora, P 
Peter, they're all there. Uh, I love Rocket kind of spying on everybody, and then there's the Stanley cameo. He's like, "What a class A prevert!" <laughs> like that is a great, <laughs> that's a great way to do a cameo. Yeah, and I love that uh, the way that they're kind of scouting because that's like if you were a bounty hunter, you'd realistically, if you had like something that's kind of scanned faces and like tell you that they had a bounty, that's what you do. You go to like a heavily populated area and you're just like bounty, bounty. Exactly. And uh, so they get caught fighting, tussling a little bit. Then we get a uh, lineup uh, scene that's pretty good. It was shown in all of the trailers showing. I, I remember it was everywhere, the lineup. Yeah. The guard. It's what you remember most. I'm pretty sure during the end credits for three, it's going through like all the pictures and the very last one is the lineup. Yep. And uh, it's an iconic scene. Uh, they go through each one, kind of introduce them give him a little bit of backstory they say rocket's name here like his test experiment name that we learned yep. about in three and it is accurate it is the same yeah they didn't forget nope they did not forget uh we see groot like a little bit about him that he's the last of his species gamora adopted daughter thanos and then uh, there's like i don't know like what the joke was i mean it's funny but like Peter's like cranking like a jack in the box and he like yeah. gives him a little finger. Like, is that something you could do on the screen? Was he just like doing it and they were blurring it? Yeah. Uh, I like, don't know. This one was, like, that scene's always kind of confused me. Like, if that's like a tool, why would they like give the prisoners access to that? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what you're talking about here. Remember when Peter's in the lineup, he does the jack in the box middle finger? <laughs> yeah. Is that something he's doing on the screen, like making himself do that, or are they just like blurring him doing it? I think he's doing it, and then like the screen's like automatically blurring it. I could be wrong though. I don't know. Gotcha. Okay. I well, that seems always like because it looks like he's like doing something technical. Like I don't know. It was but a really just, good wind up. Just an expressive, expressive wind up for for flipping the bird. Yeah. Just so I didn't know get... what that did. Nah, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, that's what made me think it was like a button he pressed or something. <laughs> so uh, they get sent to jail. Uh, they get met by a very creepy and very uh, covered in makeup Nathan Fillion. He's like, I'm going to slather you in Corinthian jelly or some shit like that. <laughs> like shit you'd hear in Shawshank on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Rocket as Groot pick him up. He's like, this is our booty. Um, and they're in the jail. Drax is introduced wants to kill Gamora. Gamora's like, hey, if you want to kill me, uh, how about I... Uh, Ronan's looking for me. He's looking for the Power Stone. How about I lead you to Ronan and you can kill Ronan instead? He's like, alright, cool. Yeah, it's um, it's actually Starlord that's saying that for her, pretty much, to not get her killed, but I love the... Like, this is the first exposure we had to Drax, and it's how we find out that he takes everything literal. And so he's like, you follow her to Ronan, and then you... It's like, why would I put her, my finger on his throat? <laughs> <laughs> why would I put my finger on? Yeah, it, it oh, it's so good. And they decide, uh, they devise like a uh, break out of jail plan, and uh, they start putting the the shit in place. They're gonna blow it up. My favorite thing about the jailbreak is actually the way that it starts out, where it's like, we want to get that purple box last, as Groot just rips it out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's just like, all right. Or we just so do it, uh, we make it up as we go. Yeah. 
when is the uh is the uh scene where he's floating in space and freezing is that in this breakout scene no that's during uh that's after they take the orb to the collector oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. okay i remember i was just checking uh i made a joke to keegan that if i had a nickel for every time peter quill was floating in space freezing about to die i'd have three quarters which isn't a lot but it's weird that it happened three times yeah uh, uh there were a few things that i called back on that like it's weird that it happened three times or weird that it happened two times thing um i don't know what the first one was but the fact that they kept coming up though across all of three of these movies was a little weird <laughs> yeah it was weird um but uh they make their prison escape um and we almost forgot about one of the best parts of it was the because like, during the lineup, uh, they're going through and like they confiscate all their stuff and put it in boxes. And uh, one of the dudes takes uh, Star Lord's um, Walkman Walk. and headphones. And like they during the prison break, they get all their stuff. They're going through, and he's like, "That bastard didn't put it back." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Give me that back, you big blue bastard. Yeah, <laughs> I love that line. Uh, there was actually, uh, we were talking about, there was like two or three moments, like through these movies that James Gunn should have gotten the first MCUF bomb. Yeah. And he didn't get it till the third one. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, we we kept talking about because it, it kept coming up and it's like, it could have been right there. It could have been right there. Um, yeah. So, um, we have the uh, prison break and then they're like, well, what are we going to do with the rock thingy? They're like, let's uh, take it to the collector and sell it. And at this point, they don't know it's an Infinity Stone. They think it's just warp. Yeah. So they go to the collector, played by Benicio Del Toro. This is where he went whenever he left Johnny Depp in Fear and Loathing. (laughs) Went to space and became the collector. So uh, he's got all these rare creatures. We see Cosmo, the space dog, for the first time. We don't even get officially introduced to her until uh, the Christmas special. Yep. And uh, we see a lot of little things around, and he's like, Nice tree. He's like, I am Groot. He's like, Yes, you are. <laughs> like, he's really weird. Uh, he has like these slave women, too, like working on his like collection. He's on the planet Nowhere, by the way, which the introduction to Nowhere is fucking awesome. Yeah. Just this floating celestial head in space, and then you go in the eye, and there's all these cities. That is awesome. That yeah. is a great visual. Uh, so the collector is. Uh, I love every scene with the collector, and I think he's in Thor: The Dark World. This, uh, Infinity War. I think that's it. Yeah, I'm gonna be completely honest. I fell asleep during Thor: The Dark World. Um, I don't remember any of that movie. <laughs> you you should watch the uh, end credit scene because that's where uh, the Reality Stone is passed on. Thor just gives it to him. Huh. He's like, uh, here you go. All right. That's All why right. they made that uh, joke in Infinity War when uh, he was like, who would give a stone to the collector? Only an idiot. And Thor goes, or a genius. <laughs> 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 yeah. Now that scene's got context for you. Yeah. So um, the collector is like, yes, do this. Hold on. This rock. And he opens it up. He's like, it's actually Infinity Stone. <laughs> And uh, he's, like, given our first explanation to what the stones are, which is really cool. We get a lecture in Infinity War as well at the very beginning about what the stones are. 
and uh, he's explaining it. He's like, this thing could destroy a planet. Let me go get my wallet. Just don't <laughs> touch it. It'll eviscerate you. And then his slave girl's like, we couldn't tell if she was like wanting to commit suicide. Or if or... she thought that it was going to, like, she'd have her turn with power. Or if she'd just kill him. Yeah. We, we're not sure. Uh, but she grabs the power stone and it just fucking obliterates everything around her. They, the guardians are all like diving and weaving. And she just explodes. They're like, got it. Yep. Don't touch that. <laughs> yeah. And then we get the reveal. Like they're like, okay, we got to go now. And then, uh, then Drax is standing there, and it's like, I called him. They're like, what? Do you, what? He called Ronan because he's like, yeah, I'll just call him and kill him myself. Uh, after they had a disagreement, and uh, they're like, you are an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> they're trying to escape. Drax gets his ass absolutely handed to him by. Uh... Ronan. They're escaping and uh Star Lord like I can't remember how it happens that he gets to space. So uh they're in these pods that they're like industrial grade or whatever. They're not designed to go out into the void of space. They're just supposed to be used around um nowhere, but Gamora's like, I have to go outside. They're like they're chasing me down, I have to go outside. And um Peter's like, You're not gonna survive out there as he goes out. Nebula's in one of the ships and blows up the pod that Gamora's in. And they're both sitting there, Rocket's next to next to him in his pod. And um Rocket actually says something that's like he's like, her genetic enhancements will keep her alive for a couple minutes. And uh so Peter's like, okay, I'll I'm gonna call uh Yondu, who's still looking for me. Um, and I'm gonna fly out there put my helmet on her, keep her alive, and just float in space by myself for a few minutes. Yeah, uh, they do explain, like, how he's able to do that, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, but then it comes back, and Yondu's like, hey, don't cut me out of a deal ever again. And we actually, we kind of discussed this part, because he's, like, he's being, like, a real hard-ass and everything, and um, he doesn't really let up until... Peter's like, I have a solution. And yeah. he's like, all right. Uh, and we were kind of speculating if Yondu actually was threatening him in this moment or if he was just trying to look tough for the rest of the Ravagers. Yeah, and then he gave Peter the out by like Peter being like, oh, I got a deal. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, cool. I can let Peter go without looking like a bitch yeah. in front of all my dudes. Uh, so they strike up a deal. Uh, they're going to take like what 13 14th of the power stone the guardians are taking 14th is that what it is uh it was 12 percent of 4 oh, okay. billion which i was talking to mike about this i'd ran the math uh, i was like hold on the so in the beginning when uh peter has the forty thousand unit uh bounty on him rocket's like root we're gonna be rich and if you break down four four billion into 12% and then split that up four ways because Drax wasn't in on the original deal. That's still 120 million units each. Each? Each. Wow. Yeah. I don't think they did the math. <laughs> well, I think they wanted the whole... Well, they didn't want to sell it at that point either. Yeah. Because they knew what it was. So uh, Ronan has the uh, stone at this point, right? 
he got it from nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we forgot to mention that he takes it from, he takes it, and then he's like, Thanos, I'm not working for you anymore. I have my own power. And he takes the um, the stone and he pops it into his hammer. His big old hammer, and he wants to go to Xandar and smash it on the fucking surface and destroy all of Xandar. Yep. So, uh, they're like, well, we gotta go get him. So they decide, they, this is when they finally like become a team. They're like, yeah, we can take this guy down. And uh, they they do some battling stuff. They talk with the Nova Nova Prime and the Nova Corps first. They're like, trust us, like you're, you're we're wanted here. Why would we come back? And like, this is trick like they're gonna kill you i'm not a hundred percent a dick yeah i'm not yeah that's uh john c Riley. we didn't mention was in this is reading out the note to glenn close nova prime <laughs> yeah. he's like i may be an asshole but i am not a hundred percent dick she's like do you believe him it's like i don't believe anybody's a hundred percent a dick <laughs> <laughs> so they they land and they make a deal uh to help them, or right? I guess they just kind of get their help, and Ronan's ship arrives, and they do some space battling stuff, and then Ronan crashes, and the Guardians are there. And this might this be not... uh, this might be an unpopular opinion. I think the space battles in this movie were better than any of the ones in any of the Star Wars movies. I like the opener to Revenge of the Sith too much. To right, that's fair. That's fair. That opener is pretty sick. Uh, but yeah, it they they do look pretty good. Um, so Star Lord's in front of Ronan. And, uh, he distracts him. He's like, "Let's do a dance battle." And uh, Star Lord's like, "Can dance it?" And and then this is where we hear Lee Pace's voice. He's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and then he's, he keeps doing. He's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and he, um. So then they get into the fight. Star-Lord gets a hold of the Power Stone and he holds it and all of the Guardians kind of lock arms. I completely forgot about the big group thing. We can get back to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I guess it like it is kind of forgettable because it doesn't like amount. It doesn't amount to anything now with context to the sequels. Yeah. Well, what I mean is it doesn't matter that that happens because he's still there. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get what you mean. It doesn't really have an impact because he's shown in that movie. Yeah, before. that's true. So they, do, they, they completely take out like any meaning of that. Uh, anyway, yeah, I like just thinking about it now. I'm like, that doesn't mean shit. Like, it's cool when you see it for the first time, but then even at the end of the movie, you're like, it's like the fucking Korg death and. Love and Thunder, where he gets like blasted, and Thor's like, "Oh my god!" And he's like a little time rocket. Yeah, we don't like, talk about Love and Thunder though. <laughs> but that's the same. That's the same thing. Yeah. They do that all the time, like the fake out. That's um. So uh, they defeat Ronan. They all wield the Power Stone together. Uh, we learn from John C. Riley's character that it's because uh, Peter's dad is not from Earth. He uh, has Smalian blood in it. Yeah, Did they uh, tell him what he is in this one? No, they, they say that you're, you're half Terran and the other half is something... They say something... Like, very, very special or something along those lines. I don't know. Yeah, and it's... Uh, 
that was another thing that they set up pretty good in this one. And real quick, I'll touch on what we were alluding to. Uh, when the ship is going down, uh, before they fight Ronan, Groot like decides to wrap all of his limbs around friends, tree branches, protect him, and uh, they take the uh, brunt of the crash. And uh, Groot is seemingly killed during this. Yeah. As we all know, he's not dead. They just made him a little bit more marketable. Especially for the sequel. Yeah, they made him a little bit more marketable. Pretty sure there's a Chia pet. I'm sure there is. The amount (laughs) of Groot shit I've seen in my life. But, uh, so that happens. Uh, They all decide to kind of stay together. They fly out into the galaxy. Don't think I forgot anything. I don't, did I forget anything? I don't think so. Uh, um, there's a Howard the Duck end credit scene, and Howard the Duck is voiced by Seth Green. Yep. Uh, th- I think the only thing we can mention is that the criminal records are expunged. That's that's it. Oh yeah, that too. I guess that's kind of important. I don't know. Howard the Duck, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. Howard the Duck. Um, yeah. Is there another end credit scene? Uh, the only thing that we have was a Groot dancing, Groot dancing, and Drax like looking back, and he like freezes. Wow, it didn't set up anything. It didn't. That's cool. Okay, I like that. Three doesn't either, but five. Uh, the second one sets up five things. Yeah, that's true. So we're getting into the second one now. Uh, I will say, uh, I don't know if you agree with. Of the four, I think this is my least favorite, but it has the best soundtrack. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I like a lot of things in this movie, but I think it spreads itself too thin in other parts. And um, I don't know. I, I I like it, but it's definitely the weakest link. Yeah, I I agree. And I think it's just because they tried to do way too much with it. Yeah, especially if in the context of this movie, this is, as far as we know, this is only like a few weeks, maybe a month or two after the first movie. Yeah, it's not very long after. Um, So we kind of start out, and as Mike and I were talking, this intro is definitely like, for us, it's one that we're not crazy about, and like, in comparison to the other, um, the other two, they have... Um, even the Christmas special has a better intro. Yeah, it really does. Um, but it starts out and they're like, uh, they've been contracted by what's the race called or the people? Oh, um, the gold people. Yeah. The gold people as we refer to them. Uh, they're contracted by the gold people to, um, sovereign, sovereign, the sovereign. That's right. They're basically contracted to stop this uh, this monster, I don't remember the name of, from eating their batteries. Uh, the batteries are very unique or something, I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're something they use to like power their shit, I don't know. They're they're, it's pods. like their birthing pods or something, yeah. Um, but it starts out in like, they're, before the monster gets there, they're setting up um, speakers and everything. And this is actually, I do think this is the only important thing that comes out of this intro is the um, rocket setting up like the music and everything. And he's like, 
what Quo's the one that likes music so much, and then he's like, I I actually agree with Drax here. We should not be setting up music for this. Like we should just be getting ready for the fight. And I think that's the moment that we start to see that Rocket's starting to be more influenced by Peter's music. And it's even it's even comes back later on when um he's alone by himself with the ship. But yeah, uh, it, it works really well in three. Yeah. So we really? open up and the it plays Mr. Blue Sky. Not a bad song choice. Good, Solid I think it's song. a good song for an intro. Yeah. Great song for an intro. But the entire time we basically just watch baby Groot walking around like dancing and everything. And in the background we just see glimpses of the fight happening. Um nothing crazy is going on. Do you think it would have been better if we saw the fight instead with the song and it like paused on like certain shots where it was like vomiting that rainbow stuff at them? Yeah, it'd been cool. Like if they, if they, like if they done freeze frames, and then in the background you just see Groot like busting it down. Yeah, and then they freeze frame on him last. I think that would have been a much better intro. Yeah, because here it doesn't really, it doesn't like like I was saying with the first and third, it doesn't set the tone. No. Um, Can I talk? Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. I mean, you go ahead. Uh, I think this movie's tonally all over the place to a degree. Um, like the, the main plot line that it's six to, I think has a solid tone and it's fine, but whenever it branches off to the other things, I'm like, it, I don't know. It's branching off in ways that don't really make sense to the main, um, the main plot point. Yeah, I agree. And, but then like looking back on it, a lot of them do set up stuff for later, except for one of the things going on that. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about. But I think it. I think it all. I think all of the stories pay off at the end, for the most part. Yeah. We uh, there was something I wanted to talk about, but first, can we just talk about? I didn't realize Craglin was in the first one. Yeah, so Craglin has a much bigger role in the second one, but in the first movie, Craglin is played by Sean Gunn, and um, we were sitting there. So we watched the movies backwards. We started with three, and then we did two, then we did one, then we did the holiday special. So when we were watching three and two, Craglin's such a big character, and I was sitting there, and we were both just like, "Is Craglin in the first movie?" And he is, but he doesn't. They don't name drop him at all, and he is there, but he doesn't speak as much as he does in the other two. No, he has a few lines, but he's he he's there, which is cool. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Clicking. Um, can I real quick? I want to talk about and. MCU intro that does the battle thing that does it a lot better and really, really well. Sure. It's weird when I say it, but hear me out. It's Age of Ultron. It opens with all of the Avengers in this country. We die. I don't even remember where it is. It's a country. They're fighting these bad guys that are members of Hydra. Yeah. Really kick-ass scene. We see all of the Avengers doing their thing. It's a great opening to like start with that fight. And then the fight kind of influences the plot a little bit. Not really. This one, like the whole movie is contingent on post this fight. Yeah. Because the, the shit with the sovereign and the, everything is contingent off them having fight yeah. with this weird monster. I will say, um, shit, it's gone. I had the thought and it's gone. Why does this I, keep I, happening? I don't know. It's happened to me a couple times too. Uh, so yeah, we get the intro and, uh, I'm going to try and speed it up. Cause I just realized we've been going for an hour already and yeah. I don't want this to be a three hour long episode. Uh, I remember what I was going to say really quick. Okay. Um, go ahead. That fight at the beginning of age of Ultron only makes sense. If you watched, um, agents of shield up to that point, I actually did the research on that. 
it doesn't make it makes sense if you just if you see the winter soldier well, the 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 whole reason that like that fight's even happening like that's all set up in a previous like set of uh stuff from uh age of uh, agents of shield huh yeah so you get context for why they're attacking that compound i've always wanted to watch it but it seems too like basic tv for me like it i feel like it'd be tame yeah i think so too um i haven't watched it i know swifty's watched it uh, he doesn't talk about it much though so i don't know a lot uh so after this they meet the sovereign peter's kind of like flirting with her a little bit and rocket fucking just decides to rob batteries from them for no reason he's just like i got some batteries and Which jack's like oh puts the major plot point into focus and uh starts off like the it kind of introduces the main conflict sort of it's, I guess it's the way that the it's kind of if okay so if Rocket doesn't take the batteries, the movie doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, except for the ego stuff. Yeah, because it like, seems like Yondu and the Ravagers and the Sovereign are going to be the villains of the film. Yeah, because the Ravagers are supposed to be pissed because of oh, excuse me the events because, in uh, the first film. Yeah, so they switched out the um. The power stone at the end. He was like, "Okay, here you go, Yondu." He actually switched out, and it was a troll doll. Yep. So they're supposed to be pissed off that they didn't get their score. Um, but anyway, let's let's move on. <laughs> We're sticking around on the batteries too much. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, third string gamers is subconvicted. Hope you're doing good, man. Drop by and say hi. Well, welcome into the podcast. Appreciate you stopping by. Uh, so. They fuck with the Sovereign, they leave, and then they're getting haunted by the Sovereign, and they see this guy destroy, like, 12 of the Sovereign ships, and it's just this dude, like, on the spacecraft, just, like, waving to him, and you're yeah. like, He's, like, okay. strapped in like he's bull riding or something. <laughs> and uh, it's revealed very shortly thereafter that that man uh, is Star-Lord's father, Ego, the living planet, and uh, he's like, oh, Peter, I've been looking for you for so long. I love the way he says Peter. He doesn't say it like Joe Swanson, but he's just like, "Come be by my side." He like Peter. he like overpronounces the P in a way that like Peter. Yeah, it's like got a gravelly tone to it. Yeah, Kurt Russell plays Ego. Yeah, you should mention that it's Kurt Russell. Yeah, and um, and I know that you don't have context for this, but it's hilarious to me the way that... Uh, so in Apex Legends, there's a character called Fuse. He has a legendary skin, looks exactly like Ego, and I can't unsee it. So every time, I just call it Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's like, Peter. Come talk. Peter, I'm your dad. <laughs> At first, he's kind of apprehensive, and Gamora's like, yeah, go for it, go for it. And uh, we get a shot of Yondu. Sylvester Stallone is here as like the the king of the Ravagers or whatever, and he's like, "You broke the code. Get the fuck out of here." Yeah, Mike was talking. He was like, uh, "Do you think Sylvester Stallone even knew what he like his script said when he got it?" And he's like, "The <laughs> the fires or whatever or something." Because <laughs> he's given this whole thing about like the, the horn never... of my funeral will never play at your funeral and the, and the colors of this and this will never fly over your grave and I'm like <laughs> Sylvester Stallone had no fucking idea what he was yeah. saying like Sylvester Stallone theater. Sylvester Stallone was way more comfortable with the script for uh for King Shark <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> Monster num num. Dumb down for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> so um, he's talking with the Ravagers. Yondu is like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, we broke these... the code. We don't deal in kids. We get context for that. Yeah. Uh, basically, we we hear about it a little bit in the first film. They kind of tease it. Yondu kidnapped Peter from Earth, and we learn in the second one he was supposed to take him to Ego. Yondu didn't, and uh, he told Peter for years it was because he was good at like fitting into like he was, crawl he was small. He could fit into small spaces. Yeah, but it, in reality, it was because Yondu, uh, as we find out, started to really like the boy and kind of became a father him. Yeah. So uh, we get back to uh, the planet's surface, which is all ego. Uh, oh. We get a really cool shot later. Sorry about What's that. Up? I, have my, I don't know why I'm going off. So uh, we get introduced to Mantis. She, um, she comes in, she's talking to Drax, and her thing is she's got like these antenna, and when she touches someone, she can... Uh... She can feel <laughs> what they feel, and then she can yeah. also influence uh, their behaviors. Yeah, like how they feel or things like that. Like she, her purpose for being on the planet is to help Ego sleep. Yeah. And uh, she starts talking to Mantis, and uh, oh my god, Mantis starts talking to Drax and Gamora, and uh, they're kind of starting to suspect something's up. We get this scene where uh, Mantis is like, "Peter, you're in love with her," and he's like, "What?" And then we get a really cool scene of uh, Gamora and Peter dancing. She's like, go go be with Ego, you know, like get to know your dad. And uh God, I, I want to talk about the brandy scene in case I forget about it. So you can do it now if you want. That's what I, I'm gonna do that. So the movie opens with a shot of Missouri in nineteen eighty, uh before the MCU credits and we see everything. Yeah. And uh it's Meredith, it's his mother, and she's in the car with Ego and they're listening to a song called Brandy, uh you're a fine girl. And uh, listen to it, and they're singing, and yeah, this happy moment. And later, I love this scene with Kurt Russell and uh, Peter. It's like, women say brandy. You're a fine, such a fine. What a good wife you would be. Like, he's, like, reading the lyrics to him. He's, like, discussing the meaning of the song. I just, I have a really big soft spot for scenes like that in movies where the character yeah. kind of... I especially love the way that he kind of, he approaches Peter, and he's like... Uh, you know, you and I are the sailor from that song. Um, and he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, he, yeah. So he's kind of trying to convince him that like to cut ties with his, like his, you know, mortal, uh, self and lean more into the, the, um, what do you call the it? Celestial. celestial. That's it. I, I was thinking sentinel for some reason, but uh, the celestial part of himself that's going to be immortal and can live on the planet forever. Um, and by telling him that, you know, uh, he's basically telling him to, you know, abandon Gamora and his friends and be by his side to complete the expansion, which um, the expansion uh, is basically he he's planted parts of himself on every planet um, throughout the galaxy. And the expansion is basically him taking over all of those planets and those planets becoming him. I uh, was talking to Keegan when we watched this, and the expansion, I didn't like that at all. I wish they would have just made it about 
uh, Peter and him and had this the stuff on his planet. Like, why endanger Earth? Like, why cut to a fucking Dairy Queen that's getting destroyed? Like, it's weird. So that we could have uh, James Gunn's parents be a cameo. It could have been a cameo and I don't know. And they could have been Ravengers or something. Yeah. So, uh, they're talking and Mantis reveals to Gamora and Drax, like, he's a bad guy. Yeah. And uh, they go and Peter's talking to him and uh, his eyes are all, like, blue and starry. And he like, I see of, it. Yeah, he's, like, getting in touch with his celestial self and then uh, Ego's like, it broke my heart to put that tumor in your mom's head. He's like, hey, what? Like, what did you say? What? <laughs> yeah, you what? Yeah. And uh, he turns on him, and they start fighting. Meanwhile, the Ravagers are coming there. Uh, what gets them to come there? Is it just Rocket? Oh, Rocket and uh, Yondu escape yeah. from uh, the Sovereign, right? Yeah, that's actually... There's a complete side story going on that. that we just completely overlooked, but they're like, so Rocket stays away with the ship to repair it after they crash landed. Um, and that's actually leads into the second part I was talking about with him being more influenced by Quill's music because he's sitting there listening to Southern Nights by Glenn Campbell, I believe is yep. the name. Um, and he's, he's just sitting there humming along. Um, and he took the time to set up all these traps and everything in the forest and the Ravagers come after him and he, just starts fucking with him basically before he gets captured. Um, but yeah, that's a whole side plot uh, of them like getting away from the Ravagers after they mutiny against Yondu. Um, Kraglin, Kraglin actually has one of the saddest parts of this for me because like he watches uh, they everybody that doesn't you know come up with the mutiny and they're like I I still support Yondu. They actually. Um, airlock them out of the ship into the void of space to freeze to death and die. And, uh, he, so Kraglin is like not saying anything. He's like, I'm not aligned with these guys. He's not actually. And he comes up to, um, Yondu and rocket when they're in their holding cell. And, um, he's like, I didn't mean to cause a mutiny. Uh, <laughs> they killed my friends. Uh, such a, sad moment because you know like because craglin throughout this entire thing has been the one that's like anytime that something's been going on he stood up for yondu he's like and you gotta understand he has a soft spot for quill he's like a son to him or whatever and they they're like it doesn't matter he's the leader of the ravagers he can't be soft um it's a heartbreaking scene to be honest it, it really is sean gunn's acting in this yeah and in uh, third one are really good because he's he you can tell he's like choked up about the whole the whole thing happening um but yeah they they make their their great escape and they start making their way towards ego's planet um and this is another part that balances very strangely because it's like they're like okay well we need them to travel a while so let's just have them do like 600 jumps through these portals which are gonna like fuck with their faces and be funny moment whatever and uh another thing that's balancing here is nebula is chasing after gamora because she wants to win again for some reason and like that plot point didn't need to be there at all no it 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 really didn't it's weird and i get that they wanted to have nebula in it uh it was just a weird inclusion to me 
Yeah, I think it pays off in the end because we get her, like, she has a bit more of a redemption and she becomes part of the Guardians at that point. Or not, I don't think she becomes a Guardian yet, but she, like, she helps them fight Ego. Yeah. Um, uh, does I can't remember, does Kraglin go with them to Ego? He doesn't. He stays on the um on the ship to, like, be there for the pickup. Gotcha. Okay, I couldn't remember if he did or not. Yeah. Um, so... <sighs> Yeah, like we were saying, like, because the, the, the fact that we were talking about the main plot line with, with Star-Lord and his dad and everything, everything else just got sidelined. We completely forgot to talk about it. And that's a big issue with this movie is that everything else feels sidelined um, by the main plot point. And it's not that that's a bad thing because the main plot is great, but it's it just shows that the the side plots are weaker. No, I completely agree with you. And I, I did forget for a moment there. I, I liked some of the moments that they have, like uh, Yondu doing his whistle against the Ravagers. Yeah. The Sovereign end up in this too, don't they? Like they just show up yeah. outside the, of planet. What is it? There's something sends them there. I can't remember what it is, though. Uh, I can't either. Uh, I don't remember. They're there. They show up. Um, we get the, we get the, uh, and the, so they're going into the heart of the, um, the heart of the planet to destroy Ego's brain. And, um, it's like, okay, we're, we're burning a laser or they have like a mining rig. They're burning a laser hole through the core to Ego's brain. And I, I do like this part of the movie because it's so funny, but they're just, uh, Craglin's coming over the radio cause he sees the. The sovereign showing up in their ships, and uh, he's like, Captain, they're on their the the sovereign are here, and he can't hear them. And then he finally like speaks up a little bit on this on the radio. He's like, What's that craggling? He's like, The sovereign, and then it cuts out, and you just hear wham, bam, shang a start playing. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Yondu just like just yanks the stick back. He's like, Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah, that is that is great. I was that song was playing in my head, and I was trying to remember what scene it plays in this movie. And you just like you solved it for me. That that is great. Yeah, it's a great moment. Um, it it unfortunately doesn't need to be there, but I still like it because we get to we get to hear that song and just have that reaction from Yondu. <laughs> It's 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 gold, and Kurt Russell's like having a freak out. He's like, I I I could have picked like I I picked the form that would have been best to suit you, and he like turns into David Hasselhoff, <laughs> and uh, Peter's like, Nah, you're a prick. So they keep fighting. Uh, Groot arms a bomb on the brain, and they're all going to leave. Uh, Ego's dying, and the planet's kind of just disintegrating, and they all escape, but uh. Uh, Peter's still on the planet, and uh, Gamora's like, no, I, I gotta go save him, and Rocket knows that Yondu only has one space suit, and it's yeah. Yondu and Peter down there, and he, like, electrocutes her, he's like, I can't lose another friend today. And, uh, Yondu, uh, is carrying Peter through space, and, uh, Peter's face is kind of, like, starting to freeze, and Yondu puts the space suit on him, and, uh, he's like, uh, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. Yeah, he then, may have been your little one. And then the the hardest part of it is he um he has the he has the spacesuit on him, and he's like, "Yondi, you can't do this. You can't do this." And then 
He says, I was lucky to have you as my boy. Yeah. Yeah, it hurts. It Yondu's death is one of the best in the MCU. It's it's done really well. Yeah. It it's so upsetting. I agree. It's, I love the scene we didn't talk about on Mary Poppins, y'all. When he was like floating yeah. to the ground, he was like you I can't was it Peter that said you look like Mary Poppins? Yeah. The the like, the uh mining rig that they're on explodes and they're falling out and um Peter's using his arrow rig to um to come back down and Yondu's holding onto his arrow um to descend as well. He just yep. you look like Mary Poppins. Is he's he like, cool? Is he, yeah, is he cool? Yeah, yeah he's cool. He's cool. <laughs> I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> That's great. It's a great um, moment. And then we get a reversal on what Sylvester Stallone had said. Uh, the Ravagers caught wind of what Yondu had did and the sacrifice he made, and they have this whole funeral for him. It's a really nice moment. The Ravagers blare the horn of whatever it is, and the yeah. the colors of you know what whatever it is um, fly over. Yeah, the who's in a what's it's. Uh, they do that. Um, Peter gets a zune. Yeah, he gets a zune. <laughs> uh, um, Yondu got it for him. Yeah. He got him a zune from Earth. Um, oh, I did like want to mention all the kids are listening to right now on Earth. Yeah, I do want to mention there is a, a a line that uh, comes back in three that I want to mention here really quick before we forget about it. Okay. Um, but when Peter is like, I I don't know how to use my like celestial abilities all that much. Um, Yondu's like, you think I use the I use my head to fly this arrow? Um. And then later on, he's like being crushed whenever he like, uh, Peter's like being used as a battery again. And Yondu says, I don't use the, my head to fly the arrow, boy. I use my heart. Yeah, that's a, that's a great line. Um, yeah, Peter gets a zoom. Uh, and then we get five. I'm pretty sure that's where it ends, like them on the ship. Yeah, and then there are five post-credit scenes. <laughs> There's a Ravagers post credit scene with Sylvester Stallone. He's like, let's go steal some shit. I was yeah. like, do you think they're going to make like a Ravagers thing? Maybe at know. one point that was yeah. in the cards. Um, we get um, Kraglin, who is now learning to use Yondu's arrow. Uh, and he stabs um, Drax in the chest on accident. <laughs> we see um, Cosmo again. Yep. Um Oh, Stan Lee is the Watcher. Oh yeah, Stan Lee's a is like a he's an agent of the Watchers, and he's just like, did I ever tell you about that time I was a FedEx man? <laughs> and they like start walking away. He's like, where are you guys going? You're, You're my, my ride. ride. <laughs> <laughs> and then what was the fifth one? Was it Hasselhoff? Uh, he's at the very end. It's not an actual scene with him. Oh, uh, Groot. Uh, Groot's like growing up into like a teenage adolescent. Yeah. Uh, and. Star-Lord's like, you gotta clean up these vines, man. All you do is play that mind-numbing game. I am Groot. <laughs> I'm not boring. <laughs> I have to use the bathroom before we get into three. Okay. I'm sorry. I will be very quick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cause you editing issues. Give me just one minute. <laughs> Don't shake your head at me. It's a natural part of life. So here we are once again. Mike's on a pee break. You might be curious, what does Mr. Toast do 
during Mike's pee breaks. Well, if you're curious, go check out the Twitch VODs. Uh, head over to twitch.tv slash convictedtoast, and uh, you can skim through the VOD, and you can see the parts where uh, Mike's taking a pee break, and I just start interacting with the viewers. Anyway, here's the part where I mark for the editing. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I'm going to speed run before we get into the holiday special Infinity War and Endgame. Okay. Speed run Guardians involvement. Guardians meet Avengers. They fight. Uh, uh, not they're not the Avengers and the Guardians. Thanos. Uh, Thanos is like, I'm gonna take a more with me. Throw off a cliff. Gets the Soul Stone. Peter's pissed. Uh, dooms the whole universe by hitting Thanos in the face with the butt of his gun. Uh, Peter, Nebula, Drax, Groot. Everybody except for Rocket and Nebula, right? Get yeah, Justin. Rocket and Nebula are the only remaining individuals from Infinity War. Five yeah, and years. Nebula. Like, if Guardians don't exist. <laughs> yeah. Nebula meets uh, Gamora, and they kind of reconnect, because uh, Nebula's being tortured by Thanos. Yep. Uh, because he she tried to uh, cut his throat. <laughs> and uh, so, Endgame, they all come back, they do battle. There's a new Gamora now. Uh, from from 2014? Like... Yeah. So, this would have been the one that met... Uh, no, 2012, oh. sorry. Guardians takes place in 2012. No, no, the the Gamora from, is from 2012, isn't she? I don't remember. I, it's it's I confusing. Well, she has hatred towards Thanos a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? She's from some time in that period. No, it's it, it is 2014. I remember because uh they run into him whenever Peter grabs the stone, and that's how he knows to go after them. In the game. Okay. Yeah, it, it's so. That's right. um, yeah. So uh, they come back. Gamora's like, I'm uh, going to leave now. See ya. Yep. And uh, Peter's like, okay. Like I'm his uh, now. Yeah. And Gamora died, and then the new Gamora is nothing like how she was because she had years of character development. Because Infinity War, Endgame, and the Holiday Special placed years after. Uh, Infinity War is like four or five years after, or four years after Guardians. Infinity War takes place in 2018. Endgame takes place in 2023. Yes. Yeah. Five years later. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, they go off with Thor. And then I guess I have to say Thor Love and Thunder opens with the Guardians like, fuck off, Thor. You're a nobody. And then they yeah. Uh, so the holiday special opens up. It's really cool. Peter's kind of brokenhearted. They made like a thing on nowhere. Like they kind of they have like their own like HQ office kind of thing. Yeah, they bought it off of the collector, which confirms that he is alive after yep. the events of Infinity War, which is something that I was wondering. Um, and then he got on more. a plane and he flew to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, for real. He went back for more. Yeah. So um. We're on Nowhere now, and it's about to be Christmas time, and Mantis, Drax, kind of want to do something special for him, because he hasn't had a good Christmas, and Kraglin tells a story about how Yondu ruined Christmas for him, which we get to talk about that a little bit at the end. Yeah, and, and it, it starts out with an animation um, of, like, Peter celebrating, trying to celebrate Christmas with Kraglin and Yondu, um, and the animation style is actually really cool. I like it. It's very unique. And uh, Yondu's all pissy, like smashes their tree. So um, Peter runs into this guy on the street, like a street performer, and he's like, "Can I sing you my Christmas song?" And Peter's like, "Oh, 
got a lot of time. The guy starts singing it, and he's like, it, it, he, like, the story of Christmas was like passed from resident to resident of nowhere, like a game of telephone. Yeah, so it started with Peter, who went to Craglin, who went to Cosmo, who went to uh, Rocket? Or was yeah, it Drax? Rocket went to uh, Mantis and Drax, and yeah. it just went everywhere. It snowballed. So, mm, so they have no idea, and they're like, the lyrics are really funny. It's like, Mrs. Claus will work the pole, or something like that. Yeah. Peter's like, no! What? <laughs> it's a it's a great song. Uh, it's it's like, very fun. I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here, and it's got the Guardians logo. This yeah. is a really fun special. Who? Um, I actually don't know who's performing that. Do you? Do you know? Uh, let me look it up. Let's, let's find out really quick, because I'm curious. Because I was, I, I'm at the do it like after we watch. I was like, that guy. I don't know who that is. But I feel like it's somebody that like unexpected. The old ninety sevens. Old ninety sevens. I don't think I've heard of them. Uh, apparently they're a group that formed in nineteen ninety three, and they're okay. country music. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a rock song. Yeah. Elton Juan. Somebody says. <laughs> oh, it's Jordan. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the the song's great, and Mantis Drax are like, go to Earth and get uh. Peter's hero, Kevin Bacon, who he always talks about, and uh, bring him here and surprise Peter. Like, that's a great idea. So they go to Earth. We get a lot of really funny, like, interactions. Like, Drax beating up this fucking robot. Dude in a robot costume on the Hollywood Strip. And they're looking for uh, Kevin Bacon. And they get this map to the stars and they find his house. He's just in there chilling. He's watching the dumbest looking, like, fucking... B movie ever about Christmas, like Santa's with these aliens, and Kevin Bacon's just like, <laughs> we, almost <laughs> we almost forgot to mention to get the map to Kevin Bacon's house. It's like a street vendor. She's like, that's five bucks, and then Mantis just touches her and he's like, you'll give it to me for free. You'll give me all your money too. <laughs> yeah, you'll give me all your money too. <laughs> so uh, they go, and they're like Kevin Bacon. And he's like. Oh, it's fans. Go away. And they like break into his house. He's trying to call 911 and he's like running down the street. It's so and- much fun because it's just it's just random. Like the <laughs> there's a point where uh to get over the gate, uh Mantis is like, Do you think you throw me over the gate? And before she can finish her sentence, Drax just grabs her by the back and throws her over. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And um there's like this uh fucking cop car going after him and drax just like kind of kicks it off the road and just like flips and she's like drax that could have killed them and she like leans down and um i forgot to mention this drax grabs like a little elf man yeah like a, a blow up and a little funny mantis elf man has, yeah and mantis has this candy cane and she's like talking to the cops the cops are scared to death there's this girl with antennas like two feet away from him <laughs> and she's like does this look like a person to you <laughs> she goes on the candy can. They're like, "No, sure nope. doesn't." <laughs> and she's like, "I knew it wasn't a person," and like walks away. And they it's, eventually get. It's so much fun. It's only like forty-five minutes or so. If That's you haven't really watched cool. already, once we finish the podcast, go watch it. It's a perfect time to watch the the holiday special. I agree. It's so much fun. So uh, they get Kevin Bacon. They put him on the ship, and Mantis is like you know don't be afraid and she's like be a hero and they realize he's an actor and there's this great like back and forth and he's like actors are 
repulsive. <laughs> he's like, yes, actors are liars. And um, he's just like, okay. They take him to nowhere. Peter's kind of sitting there depressed, and they lead him out. And they have all these like Christmas lights and Christmas trees. And Groot's wheeling this present over. And uh, I love some of the cinematography when Peter's looking around nowhere, when like the fake snow's flying, yeah. and there's all the lights. It's, it's a great shot. And he's like, you could see it in his eyes. He's like kind of being transported back to his time on Earth. Yeah. How far along, how far ago that was now. He's like walking towards him and he sees that the present Groot has is like wiggling around. He's like, hmm. His expression like immediately <laughs> yeah. changes. He's like, immediately. Oh. He, he's got this big grin. He's like, "Oh my god, what is this?" And then it wiggles. And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> "He's like, uh." He goes up and he unwraps it. It's Kevin Bacon. He's like, "Oh my god!" He's like, "Peter, I'm so glad to see you." And he's like, "You put him in a trance. Get him out of it." And he's like, "I'm so sorry about this." And he's like, "Look, don't run away. We'll take you home." And he like immediately starts running away. Yep. And Nebby is like, "I'll neutralize him." He's like, "No, don't kill Kevin Bacon." <laughs> so um Craglin's like we cut to Craglin with him and Craglin's taking him home and he's like I'm sorry about all that they just they uh you mean an awful lot to Peter and he's telling him about like how Peter saved the galaxy he should have said Peter was one of the guys that helped defeat Thanos yeah yeah uh, cause he would have known that um, that's true and uh he's just like he's a good guy He's he saved the galaxy more than once and kevin bacon's like and his phone starts ringing and keegan's like oh, how does he have reception and then it's immediately like i'm like just wait craglin's like yeah we got a couple of satellites there they'll get you anything within like three million light years <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he answers it and he's like hey honey uh i got some friends really could use some holiday cheer and he goes and he's singing the song that played at the beginning and uh, they're passing out these gifts, and Cosmo gets Craglin like this little thing, and uh, Mantis gets Drax, the funny little elf man. Yep. It's uh, it's it's such a good it's such a good scene, and uh, they're talking to Peter. Mantis is talking to him, and he's like, Craglin doesn't know how that story ended, and it's revealed in animation that Michael Rooker got uh, yeah, Michael Yondu <laughs> got him something for Christmas. He got him his gun. And like he participated, and Peter got him a, a present as well. It's a really sweet moment. It's a uh, like a little dashboard ornament for the ship. Yeah, it, it's oh, it's so neat. And then we come back, and uh, Mantis tells Peter that they're brother and sister, and Peter's like, "Oh, I've always wanted a sister." And uh, it's it's such a sweet moment. I should mention that we uh we get introduced to Cosmo in this as a character. Before yeah. We talk about the ending. She's around. Yeah, she's uh, at first she's like trying to help put together the office and everything using her telekinesis. And then um, Rocket says something to her and she's like, she just drops it on the ground. She's like, I refuse to help as, uh, as long as you're being like that. Yeah, I refuse, I refuse to be a help as long as you demean me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then um, we also need to mention that she is voiced by, um, what's her name? Mia Bakalova. Yeah. Um, who, if you guys ha don't know, um, she got her big start from Borat 2 as Borat's daughter, and then she was the one of the lead uh, characters in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah, she's having a great career. She's a, she's a phenomenal actress. Yeah. So we come back, and Kevin Bacon's finished song, and Craglin's taking him home, and they're all like, 
bye, Kevin Bacon. We love you, Kevin Bacon. And then Drax is like, bye, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I love, I th- Nebula's just like, wow, not all actors are a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it's, a really, it's really good to have this and have that like really sweet stuff at the end. And it's nice that this leads into three. Because yeah. three is a very somber. Yeah, thing. Uh, it's it's much more depressing. So, yeah, I guess I guess we just jump into it. Yeah, we're here. Uh, it opens with animal abuse. Um, <laughs> there's <laughs> no other way. There's no other way to put it. It does. It, you see, well, you see little Rocket in the cage, and they're like going to grab him, and he's like trying to get away. And um, creep by Radiohead starts playing. Yeah, and it's an acoustic and, version. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and Rocket's got the Walkman in, and he's walking around, and he's looking around nowhere, and he seems depressed, and then Peter's drunk, so they pick him up, and they carry him out, and we get the logo, and uh, James Gunn actually filmed that scene to throw people off to put it in the trailer to make it yeah. look like they were carrying a dead quill. Yeah. It was actually and, just a, it was actually a body double for one, because Karen Gillan could not lift uh chris yeah. pratt obviously <laughs> but uh on top of that um it's used to be like to fake you out be like he's dead and he's actually just drunk <laughs> yeah he's just laying there drunk james gunn uh subverts a lot of expectations here yeah um oh my god we forgot an end credit scene in the uh in two adam oh adam, adam warlock yep yeah, Adam Warlock, who James Gunn originally thought was going to be in Infinity War and then wasn't. Or yeah. Endgame, sorry, in Endgame and then wasn't. Yeah, and so then he, uh, he was like, well, shit, I don't want this to be useless, so he threw him in. Which, he yeah. actually, I actually quite like him. He's good. Yeah, he's funny. Will Poldier does a great job. Yeah. So they carry him out on the street and Rocket's kind of like, we get these flashbacks over the course of the film about Rocket's backstory and he was with... Uh, these other animals, there was, um, what was the otter's name? Lila. He was with Lila and Teefs. And Floor. And Floor, because the bunny was laying on the floor. Yeah, they all kind of came up with names like that. Uh, well, Teefs was, uh, was a walrus, so he named himself, he named himself after his big teeth. <laughs> and um, through these flashbacks, we get introduced to, in my opinion, like top five MCU villains. Yeah, he's very good. It's uh what's his name? The The High Evolutionary. High Evolutionary, that's right. And he's good, not because he's got all this shit like all this baggage. He's good because he is just fucking insane. Yeah. Like um, he wants to create a planet that is perfect. Yeah, and this having watched Guardians Three and seeing um seeing High Evolutionary, uh I think we should cover Suicide Squad and Peacemaker at some point on the podcast. We yeah, we definitely can. One hundred percent. I love Suicide Squad, and I haven't finished Peacemaker yet. I've seen it twice. It's great. <laughs> so, um, he is this fucking insanely just evil person. Meanwhile, the Sovereign are back, kind of. They're working for the High Evolutionary, and they want Rocket back because Rocket was the only thing that he created. That could do more than he could. Rocket solved like this equation. Yeah, he was like, if you change this filter out, the monster, the whatever you're creating, will stop being so hostile. And he's like, okay, we'll try that. And he tries it, and then works. And he's like, how did you know that? 
How did you know? It was the only form of like actual intelligence that, because a lot of the AI that we have just pulls from the internet and pulls from things and creates something. Yeah, that's not true creation. Art. Yeah, but Rocket is the first of his uh, creatures to be able to do that. Yeah. So Adam Warlock gets sent uh, to nowhere to get Rocket. One of the best fucking intros for any character ever. Crazy on you by heart is blaring. He's flying. We get a face-up shot of him as he's flying into nowhere. And he immediately just tears shit up. Like, he injures Rocket to the point where he's on the verge of death. He wipes the floor with the Guardians, and then they finally like get the best of him. He retreats. And they're like, shit, dude, Rocket. And they try to put the med pack on him, and they realize that there's, like, a, an electromagnetic lock on his yeah, heart. Yeah, there's... Um... There's something going on with like the cybernetics that they put in him when he was being experimented on that prevents like other technology. Like they can't even like make an incision into him without it doing something. Yeah. And that's kind of what sets the whole movie into motion. The guardians need to go and they need to find this pass key to get in and save rocket. So, uh, Craglin and Cosmo, they're kind of just chilling and there's this whole like cute little side story with them where, Craglin calls Cosmo a bad dog and she's like, well, she's like, I'm not a bad dog. And then yeah. they're like playing poker with Howard the Duck and he's like, and then he called me a bad dog and everyone yeah. on the table was like, oh! Yeah, she's <laughs> like, the, the, Cos- the, uh, the CCP sent me into space knowing that I would burn up on re-entry to, to the planet and they, even they didn't have the audacity to call me bad dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love Cosmo. Uh, uh, for context, if you've never seen her, she's like a little golden retriever. So cute. So they go, and their first stop is like this. What even is it? I can't re- It's where Nathan Fillion is. Yeah, it's like this like weird, fleshy place. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know how to describe the material, but all the guards in there have like this weird material on them. If you've and- ever worked with insulation foam, it kind of looks like insulation foam as their okay. armor. I could see that. Um, so they break in there and uh, they get Gamora to go with them. They hire her out from the Ravengers. And Sylvester Stallone's like, all right, you can have Gamora for this mission. And uh, Gamora's going with them. And Peter's trying to like reconnect with her. And it's not working at all. She's like not interested in him. She has no idea who he is. They go down into the place and they're trying to find the information on Rocket. And, oh, uh, think, we can't we can't forget about Nathan Fillion's. Uh, that's line. what I was I was getting into. Yeah, when they first break in, and uh, you could talk about it when Nathan Fillion comes in. Yeah, so they're uh, they they like get rid of their they get their spacesuits off and they like go throw them into a closet and they're like okay, uh, and like the guards burst in. They're like, what's going on in here? And they're like, there's a there's literally a hole in the side of the thing. You guys are coming in here waving your weapons around. We just need help. Um, and then they're like interrogating everybody, and it's like, all right, who are you, you and you? And then it's like, oh, don't worry about like that's uh, he like explains everything, and then he gets to Drax, uh, who says something out of turn. He's like, don't worry, he he's the boss's son. And then he's like, oh, don't worry, I got one of those too. And he points to a guy behind him. <laughs> yeah, and he's like talking about the other guy. He's like, this one, I like him. He's good. <laughs> him. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan Fillion is so good in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so they... oh, good. Yeah, you're good. I, I just coughed. 
So they start going out uh, throughout this place and they're uh, looking for whatever information they, they can find about Rocket. Um, I can't remember what they call them, CP-913 or something like that. Um, CP-139, something, something like that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a number. <laughs> I'll remember it eventually. I know uh, Finn's Stormtrooper number in The Force Awakens is FN-2187. Yeah. I'm a nerd. Anyway... <laughs> They're they're going throughout it, and there's this really funny scene with Drax and Manus where um she makes this like guard fall in love with him, and he's like hi, and Drax just goes hi. <laughs> it's so his delivery is so good. He's how are you doing? <laughs> he's like oh I'm good. I I can let you in here. Uh, uh Sam says it's eight nine p one three. Eight nine p one three. Okay. Twenty three nineteen. We've got a 2319. That's from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so they're going throughout it, and um, Star-Lord gets into conflict with this like one secretary lady. She, he's trying to seduce her, and uh, Gamora decides to pull a gun on her. He's like, oh, come on. My seducing was working. And she's like, no, I actually thought you were a total douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, come on. So um, he's like explaining their whole like lore, I guess, in case you missed Infinity War and Endgame, like what happened. and. Uh, Gamora's like, it sounds like you're more in love with her, and like points to Nebula, and Nebula's like, well, what do you, what do you even, and uh, they're standing there, and <laughs> Peter's like staring at her, and she goes, knock it off. He's, He's like, like I never noticed how dark your eyes were. <laughs> yeah, she goes, they were replaced by my father as a form of torture. Well, they, he picked a pretty set. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're all fighting. We get a fake out Drax death here. Yeah. Where he gets like shot up by a bunch of the guards and like we think he's dead and the anti-grav is turned on and they yeah. escape. Uh we also do get the 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 same girl uh that he was trying to seduce. She's like with him. He's like just let me talk to them. I can I can get him to stop. I can explain the whole situation. She's like okay. He sits down. He's like I'm not an idiot. Also, she was totally into me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he hacks the gravity thing. It's awesome. Yeah. So they get back on the ship, and we get another flashback of Rocket, and it's revealed that all of his friends were killed. Yep, like all of them, and he was trying to escape. Yeah, they they were planning. It was uh, he helped them. He helped him master the evolution that he wanted. Then he was like, "You you were never gonna see the new world." Uh, so all the test subjects from that field exterminate him get rid of him um so rocket goes back to his cell he starts assembling something and they're like rocket what are you doing he's like i'm making a, i'm making a key he makes the key out of literally like nothing he just finds random parts around his cage opens the door and goes to get everybody else out and as he opens the door for the other one lila and him hug and then she gets shot in the back by the high evolutionary yep Yep, and uh, before this, we get a flashback, and they're all laying there, and uh, Rocket gets his name to the rocket ship that he sees, and he says, one day, we're going to all fly away together into the forever beautiful sky. And that line, dude, Bradley Cooper just absolutely dissolves into this, and it's completely like mocap and whatever, and just, it's crazy. His acting for Rocket. Yeah, so good. I don't know if you've ever seen it in interviews, but he says every time he sees Rocket, I was like, "That's me." Like, 
That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, what a terrible moment. But then, um, right after she gets uh, hit, um, uh, Rocket tackles the high evolutionary and starts clawing at his face, and he's laying there completely like can't move or anything. Um, guards start running in. Rocket picks up the gun, starts shooting back at him as they're firing at him. And in that moment, there he takes him down. He turns around and he sees that Floor and Tiefs was hit as well, and they're both dead. Yeah, it's oh, it's awful. And uh, I can't remember. Do we? Uh, no, it's after this. Okay, so they are going after the High Evolutionary now for the code. They land on this like the planet that he made, and we see an octopus selling meth on the street. <laughs> yeah. Also, we get this great scene when they first touch down. Drax picks up a ball and goes to like toss it back to this little girl and just throws it straight into her face. <laughs> yeah, and they all like start throwing rocks at him, and then eventually they get into like this family's house, and Peter's like trying to explain to them, even though they speak a different language, like, "Hey, my friend's in danger." And then she's like, "Here's my car keys," and her husband's just like, "Oh, oh. like he can't speak like their language." He's yeah. so visually pissed he's like a bunny man yeah he's like oh. <laughs> just covers his face he's like i can't believe this is happening um but this leads into a historic moment in the mcu yes it does uh they go to get in their car nebula is having trouble with the door handle peter's like oh, push the button and he's like i am pushing it and he's like you're pushing the keyhole there's a button under the handle press that in it's like, okay, now what? And he goes, open the fucking door. <laughs> it's so good. And I'm so glad James Gunn got it, because this is not a throwaway F-bomb. That is, like, one of the funniest moments of the entire movie. Yeah. It's so out of left field. Yeah, there's even, there, there's a whole thing where um, Kevin Feige was like, you know, the Russo brothers wanted to do this, and they decided they didn't want that to be their legacy. And then um, uh, he's like, are you sure this is what you want? And he's like, do you know who the fuck I am? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I can't remember. I know Adam Warlock returns. Uh, he like vaporizes this dude that they were trying to get information out of, and he takes the dog thing with him. And he's like, "I don't like the way that thing is looking at me." <laughs> and uh, he, he's like, "It looks sad." <laughs> <laughs> he's so good, and yep. uh, he flies down, and uh, I can't remember. Rocket's not revived at this point, right? Not yet, because they're still getting the code from the um, high evolutionary ship. Right. Uh, which we so, don't know is a ship. We think it's just a building to start with. Yeah, it looks like a big building. And uh, so Adam Warlock flies down and he's fighting with uh, Gamora. And meanwhile, Drax and Nebula are going away from the ship when they're supposed to be guarding it. Or yeah. Drax and Manta, sorry. Yeah. Where's Nebula at? I can't remember. She is outside the building while Peter and um, oh, Groot right. are inside. She's with the war pig. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the war pig, um, after they, they start the whole thing, the war pig flies off to the Guardian ship. And uh, uh, I'm pretty sure at this point, like, it's Adam Warlock and Gamora and the like war pig are like all fighting each other. Yeah. Um. I like that he starts adopting like the the weird dog thing. <laughs> yeah, the little pet that he like got off the dead body. Yeah. Um 
uh but peter and groot are in the building they're making their their play um groot uh is keeping all the guns like inside like he opened up his torso put all the guns inside and uh the moment that they're ready to attack uh he pulls out four and then peter's drop out of his back and peter catches them um and we get this they're like okay how do you plan to get out of here and we get this actually it's actually kind of a cool scene um where peter just grabs onto groot groot grows like wood wings and they just glide out of there well he's got a guy with him too that he fucking kills yeah yeah the they, with the code. yeah they drop him out of the window and they uh the guy that has the code that's in his brain like it's like a little computer on board his head and uh he's like you'll kill us both and then peter's like no i won't and he just flips over <laughs> So the uh, the guys they're gonna impact the ground first. Yeah, it is a gnarly death. Like he fucking hits the ground, just slides from through dirt and water. Yeah, absolutely dead. But we uh, got the codes, and they're like, "All right, back to the ship to save Groot or uh, or Rocket." So, um, I'm trying to remember what happens next. Uh, they have the code. They revive Rocket. The planet starts like exploding, and they decide to uh, go above. Well, the planet does explode, and they decide to go to the uh, or does it? Yeah, it's um, Nebula, Drax, and Mantis are like Peter's still on that ship as it's taking off into into orbit, and they're like they all get on board and um, they get inside, and you see like dozens of children. Uh, from like these species that the high evolutionaries created um and they're like we have to help these people pretty much and rockets after rockets revived he's like where's nebula and it's like what do you mean it's like that's her line and it shows like she's on the radio and uh they're like nebula what's going on she's like uh we're on the ship where are you guys at we're like what ship oh uh, we left <laughs> yep and Peter goes to revive Rocket, and while he's doing it, his heart stops. Oh, yeah. A great scene. And we get this part with Rocket, and he's in, like, this afterlife. It's all white, and Lila's there. And he was, She was like, come on, we're going to fly away together into the forever. Beautiful. And he's walking with her, and then she kind of lets go of his hand, and she's like, but not yet. He's like, I want to go with you. And she's like, you have a family here to take care of. And he comes back. It's oh, I cried like a baby in that. It's theater. so good. It is. Only James Gunn can make you uh, feel that way about uh, an, an amputee CGI raccoon. Yeah, and a CGI raccoon. Yeah. So they go up to the um, the ship to get him back, and Mantis or no Mantis? Good lord! Well, yeah, Mantis is there. Mantis Drax and nebula are riding those like weird squid things from the second movie yeah and they reveal to them that there's kids on board and they're like all right we need to get them off and there's a really uh, scene i like a little bit later that makes a lot of sense for rocket's character because there's a bunch of animals on the ship too that they're experimenting on and rocket like looks at me he's like peter or pete we gotta get every everybody yeah and, and he's like we already I, go to the kids and he's like no Everybody he like shows over all the animals. Um, we also almost forgot to mention in this scene too. The high evolutionary shows up again. He's like, ah, eight nine P one three. There you are. And that they get into a uh, fight. Um, 
all of uh, the Guardians show up, they help fight him, and we get the reveal where he's had this, like, um, he's had, like, a replica of his face on top of his old face, and you peel it off, and you see what Rocket did to his face, and it's, it's just, oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's very grisly. Like, you see his exposed skull, and... There's muscle um, tissue and everything. We also forgot to mention the war pig attacking Kraglin and Cosmo and them working together. Oh, and, uh, yes. Kraglin's this is... Yondu. Uh, yes. He, so Kraglin is... Uh, he's looking at everybody, and Kraglin to this point hasn't really been able to master the arrow yet, and he sees a vision of Yondu, and he hears, uh, I don't use my head to fly the arrow. I use my heart. He hears it again. And starts it up and just takes out like a he takes out a few people doesn't he there's a it's more than just the war pig there yeah there yeah there's a bunch of the um high the security yeah like the high evolutionary security guys yeah that's right just takes out a huge group yeah it's uh such a good scene and uh the, the whenever he sees yondu sitting there and talking to him Rooker reprises the role it's really nice that we get to see some character growth for Kraglin, and then he, he finally calls Cosmo a good dog. Yep. He's very happy about this. He's very pleased. Yeah. I uh the one when, when they actually show the like the vision of Yondu standing there, I teared up. Yeah, it it was really So then um they're leaving and this is the third time, third movie in a row that the ship is exploding or whatever's exploding. Pete grabs the Walkman or the Zune or whatever he has in this movie and jumps into space and starts freezing again. And this time, Adam Warlock's been kind of around. I think it kind of tells to how James Gunn threw him in here because of how little we talked about him, even though he liked him. He it, he really kind of feels forced into a lot of this. He's a great character, but like yeah. he was just kind of tossed in. Head yeah, first. I agree. And I, okay, so one thing I do like about this is like because he he shows up when. Pete's like in space, no mask or anything, and he's dying. We get this. We get this recreation of God creating Adam as he reaches out, and he you just see a finger reaching out for Peter's finger. Yep, it's the yeah, it's the recreation of the uh recreation of the recre the creation of Adam. Yeah, uh, just a, it's a great moment. We almost forgot to mention there is a part where Gamora takes the uh takes Adam Warlock's new pet. He's like, I'll kill this thing. He's like, don't be rash. <laughs> <laughs> don't be rash. It's great. And um, Groot is revealed to Adam Warlock like goes to fight him and he's like fucking tuckered out because he's been fighting all day and Groot saves him. And uh, so Peter jumps into space. He's freezing. We get the creation of Adam after Adam Warlock gets up after being knocked out. They all go back to nowhere and they all decide uh, to go their separate ways. Peter wants to go back to Earth. Rocket and Groot are going to stay on the Guardians with Rocket as the leader. Drax is going to uh, like kind of be a father figure to all the kids that they got from High Evolutionary Ship. We also uh, get a crazy moment. Uh, it comes out of nowhere. I did not expect it, where Groot uh, speaks not, I am Groot. I kind of like it. Yeah. And the, the reason why is James Gunn kind of gave a really good explanation for it. All three of the movies we were watching the Guardians, he said, and then at the end of that one, you are one, so you can 
You can understand what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like the line too. I love you guys. And he changed it once when he said we are Groot. When he yeah. Uh, so uh, Nebula decides that she's going to become like the uh, president or whatever. She's going to oversee a lot of Nowhere's development. Kraglin yeah. and Cosmo also join the Guardians, the new Guardians. Um, I think I got every... Oh, Mantis wants to go and explore the galaxy because her whole life she's been going where other people tell her to go and just this once she wanted yeah. to go somewhere. What is she, Drax doing? What was his... He's becoming a dad to all of the kids. That's right. That from the High Evolution. Yeah. And then we get a dance uh, ending. Uh, the dog days are over is playing. Peter kind of realizes that Gamora doesn't want him. Uh, he accepts it. They're all dancing together. It's such a good, such a good moment. Yeah. And uh, I think it ends there, doesn't it? Uh, we get to see Peter go back to Earth and uh, oh, yeah. he, he, meet his meet his grandpa again. Um, and then we we get into the post credit scenes after that. Yeah, so there's one post credit scene. It's one of my favorite MCU post credit scenes because there's a conversation I guarantee you, like we've all had, like your your grandma or grandpa or somebody's telling you about like a neighbor. He's like, and Peter's like, I don't want to mow his lawn. Like he's a forty year old man, like capable, and he wants me to mow his mom lawn like and his grandpa's like don't even get uh you peter. cut out for that part oh he said you don't want to get me started and peter's like now i kind of want to know and he's like eating cereal and it says star lord will return yeah the legendary star lord will return as he's just sitting there with his cheerios <laughs> i love that scene and in the other one we get a reprise of come and get your love by redbone we see the new team of the guardians which is that weird dog looking thing uh rocket groot adam warlock one of the girls who it looks like she has some like something similar to captain marvel's powers i think she does i think she's part korean that might be why okay i don't know i don't know the kree thing because i know kree are powerful yeah I I watched Captain Marvel. I know some stuff about the Kree. Yeah, we also get the reveal that Groot has grown like significantly larger than he ever was in the first movie. Yeah, that makes me wonder. Do you think he like fucking got like got like at some point before that and he had to regrow and that's why he was like at that that size? I don't know because the, the big thing like about it is all of the versions that we see of Groot um, throughout this. None of them are like in the first time that we see him in the first movie. That is what he looks like in the comics. Everything after that, I'm pretty sure, has been like a new adaptation Makes on the sense. on his look. Kind of dig it. As yeah. the uh, credits are playing, um, we see a bunch of pictures, like uh, photos from all three of the movies in the holiday special. The Guardians together. James Gunn kind of saying, "This is it. The end." Really good. I'm glad James Gunn kind of subverted a lot of expectations. He uh, people were taking bets and trying to figure out who would die first, and no one, no one dies. Yeah, uh, I think it works out because you. Uh, I don't know the way that they set it up. It feels like someone is supposed to die in this movie, and um, I remember for a long time the scene of Peter jumping into space and like he starts swelling up and you know, freezing, um, people were like, oh my God, like people were saying that that was like a, a death scene. 
the for people that didn't actually see the movie and like people were like oh my god he dies and it's like no he doesn't nope he gets carried right back inside um weird that it happened three times but (laughs) yeah for real so um that's guardians 3 a great trilogy great holiday special now we get to rank them yeah i didn't think it'd be this tough for me but one and three are both so good i don't know um you go ahead and go first yeah uh so i would say from least to most favorite uh least favorite is guardians 2 i would agree i still i still like it though a lot no oh yeah yeah me too uh then guardians uh christmas special then guardians one then guardians i would probably agree with that listing um because guardians one is good but i think we get the biggest emotional payoff from three um because everybody's so interconnected now um by the time that the story wraps up so yeah, and I, I'm glad James Gunn kind of kept it just to, like, the world that he created instead of trying to, like, throw Doctor Strange in there to, like, pop out a portal. Oh, did I leave my panties in the ship? <laughs> I'm really glad he go yeah. down that road. Yeah. Try and wrap in a bunch of characters. I don't think they set up anything for this one at all. Like, no, nothing. I mean, maybe we get another, not a Guardians movie, but, like, we get the new Guardians and something that they're connected to. Um, so. I don't think that's the last we'll see of Adam. Yeah. He's way too popular. Yeah. Don't be rash. Don't be rash. He looks sad. <laughs> I just forgot to mention that the remaining sovereign, um, or the sovereign queen gets taken out here too. Um, when the planet oh, explodes. Yeah. yeah, she does explode. I forgot about that. Never liked her. Yeah. That's fair. Still fucks me up that she's the girl from Tenet. <laughs> Oh yeah, you you were telling me that the yeah. fake outs and three fuck man, I was so anxious the whole time. So, yeah, <laughs> no, I can relate. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, Guardians three. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, and you somehow managed to avoid spoilers, if uh, from us literally telling you the entire plot of the movie, uh, go watch it. <laughs> I'd watch it regardless, even if you did watch it. And yeah, because we gone. there's a lot that we didn't cover here. Um, there's a lot of jokes, there's a lot of, uh, plot points that we may have, um, forgotten about, like with two, where we had to go back and talk about three other plot points. Um, there, if you haven't seen any of them, go through and watch them, um, especially the holiday special, because it's so, it's so, it's 40 minutes long and it's so much fun. Yeah, no, it it is really good. I'm probably going to watch it again this weekend with the family, because it's such a good special. Um. I think that's all we have, though. That's pretty much it. Um, so, yeah, it might be a little bit slower getting these podcast episodes out just because uh, we both work in retail and the holidays are right here. So, but it's been a great time. Yeah, it has been. And we uh, we still have some episodes planned for the rest of the year. We'll get them out, just not as many as uh, you probably used to. Yeah. It's going to slow down a little bit. Uh, we'll start, we'll try and keep up. Um, we're not going to like abandon it and say, "Oh, we tried," but we're 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 going to get there. You know, uh, anything that we don't finish here in 2023, we still have plans for podcasts in 2023 that we'll probably just let bleed into 2024. 
Yeah. I think we only have, like, uh, a couple more planned for this year, because I deleted a few of them. Oh, okay. I think we just have, like, our uh, our Edge Runners or Champloo, Odd Taxi, yeah. and then Christmas Movies and Highlights of the Year. So we've only got four left. What about Death Stranding? Do we push that one back, or are we... Okay, we're going to do that in 2024, then? Probably. All right, sounds good to me. Uh, but yeah, that's been, that's been the Mixed Media Podcast once again. So have a great Thanksgiving. Have a great holiday weekend. Even if you're not celebrating the holiday, like I said, have some turkey. Have some pie. It doesn't matter. Broiled or fried. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. We will see you in the next episode. You all have a fantastic evening, day, night, whatever it is. You have it. We'll see you guys. Take care.